time of the year. Remembering it's not the flowers that turn red, it's actually the leaves that turn red because of the cooler conditions. So just remembering that when yours comes into um, leaf colour, we'll call it, during the autumn months. So that's the plan I'm giving away today. As well as that, I'm giving away a bag of the fruit and flower fertiliser and also a box of the tomato plant food. Now, this is the soluble one, which dilutes in water, and you water on your tomato plants once every couple of weeks to give you those really big, luscious tomatoes that hopefully you'll have by Christmas. As well as that, I've got some other sachets in that bag as well to give away at the end of the program. <clears throat> saga of my tomato po- oh, plant, yes. David. Um, I had. I knew you'd have something like that look you were giving me, Phil. I had seven tomatoes on it. Uh, three of them were got at by something, and I think it's probably snails or slugs oh, or okay. something like that because there was a silvery trail oh, through, okay. through the leaves. Yep, so um, I've still got oh, two, dear. and I'm, I'm holding out all There'll my be more. for those two. There'll be more. Yes, I'm sure they will, David. <laughs> I'm sure they will. But look, I tell you what, a lot of people are having trouble with their tomatoes, as they do every year, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are having trouble with things nibbling at them. And look, nine times out of ten, it's been rodents. Rodents, Is that right? Because they actually, rodents actually nibble from the very base of the tomato. So if you've got tomatoes that are disappearing, and you, I know people say, oh, I haven't got rodents, but look, you only need one little rodent or mouse in the area right. to nibble on the tomatoes. So if that's the case, just pop some rat sack around and that should take care of that. Possums uh, are the other thing. Right. Now, possums will actually pick it off the plant and basically eat some of it and probably throw the rest on the ground. So they're... A mm-hmm. little bit in that sort of way. And the only other thing that affects our tomatoes or eats at them is the little grub that bores its way into the very top of the tomato. And if that's the case, well, you need a product simply called Success, and that should get rid of that little caterpillar as well. Okay. So it's there's so things. much easier to grow grevilleas, David. It's so much easier. <laughs> no, but look, Phil, there's nothing better than to go out to the garden and pick a nice fresh um, tomato yes. or any form of vegetable out of your vegetable garden. I'm so. looking forward to it. I've got one that's ripening beautifully. Okay. By, by Keep next an Monday, eye on it. I'll be able to tell you what it tastes like. Oh, and the other thing is birds. Be careful of birds. Sometimes <laughs> they will peck out them as well. I forgot about that one. Right. So uh, that's that's rodents, <laughs> bugs. Um, uh, birds, yes, and I also need to watch out for fruit fly. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got normal tomatoes, yes, you watch out for fruit fly. But if you've got the little tomatoes, the little tomatoes mm-hmm. don't get attacked by fly. No, they, these are full size. Okay, you'll have to be careful. Ones, but then. I'm using the pineapple juice. Excellent, recipe, very so. good. Okay. <laughs> So, um, well, about all the things David's giving away, we, we, we do remind you, you need to be listening at the end of the show to see if you're, you're the one that has been selected. Uh, 49216216, still one line free if you want to jump in quickly and grab that one. Um, let's go now to uh, calls. Are we ready, David? Yep, sure am. And first off, it's Pat from Swansea. Hello, Pat. Oh, hello, David. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got a protea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely magnificent. It, hundreds of flowers on it. It's probably about three metres wide by about two high. People just stop in the street and take photographs of it. Well, look, I was going to say, Pat, you should be picking those and bundling them up and selling them out on the street. You'd make a fortune <laughs> out of it. <laughs> it's just an amazing um, plant. It's probably been in about five years. Mm-hmm. Um but it seems to have a scale on it. Yes. And it seems to be hollowing in the middle. It's on a slight embankment. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned it might fall over. Okay. 
Well, certainly. Well, yes, certainly after it finishes blooming, uh, you, you cut all those blooms off. That should, of course, take it back slightly. And then it should start. I think sta- it's never going to finish blooming, David. <laughs> no, there are new blooms coming. There's oh, okay, really? Wow, that's impressive. So, do you live on the main drag of Swansea or you're down on the side streets? We're, no, we're up on the head. Okay. Between the lake and oh, the okay. Ocean. I was going to say I'd have to come and have a look at it. It sounds very, very impressive. Yeah. So, uh, But certainly, yes, um, well, I mean, of course, those old flowers, just keep taking those off. And that actually bushes the plant out. But certainly if you feel you need to give it a little bit more of a prune, I wouldn't suggest heavy prunes because that will probably set it back and it may not come forward again. So yeah. basically it's just a matter of pruning the old flowers off to try and keep on making it as bushy as you possibly can. As far as the scale, I mean, certainly you've got to treat it for scale and you need to get some anti-scale or malascale and treat it with that uh, and that will actually get rid of the scale. If it's only very minor scale, you might even get away with just using some pest oil on it and that may get rid of the scale if it's only very, very minor. But if but it's... it's- kind of deeper in, in okay. the centre. All right. Well, look, certainly s- start off with the pestle because it's a lot safer, particularly for something as temperamental normally as a protea is. But certainly in Swansea where you've got the um, good soil, I mean, that's probably why it's doing and. so well. Yes, I know. And that's what it really loves because it's that's its natural um, environment, that sandy sort of soil. So that's why it's doing so well. If I was you, I'd be planting more proteas because think of the money you could <laughs> make out of them. Pardon? And, um, and native. Oh, okay, yes. We're often not home. Yes. For a while, but this one's just thriving on the, not on the glass. Yes, well, and exactly that's what proteas do. They, they don't like any strong fertilisers or anything like that at all. They just like virgin soil, and that's why it's probably doing so well. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so maybe a light prune. And just a light prune oil. and just try some pest oil on it. If the pest oil doesn't shift the scale in a month or so's time, you may have to go into something like anti-scale or malascale. They're both the same sort of thing. Okay. All right. Very good. But well thank done, Pat. Thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pat. Uh, next caller, David, is uh, Ted. Ted is from Doyleson. Hello, Ted. Ted. Hello, David. How you going? Good, thank you. Um, my problem is white fly yes. on tomatoes and lettuces. Yes. I've used malathon and I've used malathon and pest oil together. Mm-hmm. I've put tomato powder on and deris dust on mm-hmm. both sides, you know. Okay. And it's just a million of them turn up again. You know? and tell me, Ted, when you're spraying, do you actually get up underneath the foliage where the white fly is? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I right, run my hand up, but as, I, as I'm spraying, yes. I run my hand up to lift the leaves up. Yes, okay, well, that's good, because that's, that's right. actually where they rest during most of the time, and that's when you'll get most of them. Look, certainly the only ones I know of that can be used for white flyers are a product called Maverick. Or Maverick. Su- yes, Maverick or Success. They're probably two that I would suggest that you try either one of those. More so Maverick because Maverick is um, a little bit stronger, uh, but yeah. certainly make sure you take care of the withholding period. So you look at that and if it says 14 days before harvest, make right. sure you leave them there before harvesting. Right. Okay. Thank- right. thanks very much. You're welcome. Bye Good for time. now. Thank you very much, Ted. Um, <clears throat> all lines are free at the moment, Ooh, David. Wow. Uh, but maybe people are still out mowing their lawns. Yes, a, after that um, 
a flush of the growth that they have. I know some people are actually mowing their lawns twice a day, twice a week at the moment to keep it um, keep them down. But yeah, they're growing like a house on fire. Yeah, I was ready to believe you when you said twice yep. a day. There, mm. that, um, yeah. Well, um, this is probably a good time then, David, to talk about. Um, uh, maybe how we deal with the conditions that are in the gardens with all that rain and now the heat. Yeah. Um, what look, do we do? Look, certainly, Phil, I, I know for a fact because of all the rain and mm. you've got to remember we've had really, really humid conditions and that causes a lot of problems in the garden, particularly with fungal diseases. Uh, I know I keep raving on about fungal diseases, but really because of the weather we've had, it causes fungal diseases to move very, very fast. Remembering that fungal diseases, once they're on a plant, if a water droplet, just a water droplet falls on that fungal spore, it spreads the fungal disease very, very quickly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to actually keep on top of these fungal diseases just by spraying them with a fungicide. Now, as I said last week, it is a very good idea, particularly when you've got this sort, these sorts of conditions particularly with vegetables and in one one in particular is the tomatoes that you spray them fairly regularly and when I'm saying regularly I'm probably say once every couple of weeks just with a fungicide spray all your vegetables with a fungicide that will actually keep a lot of fungal diseases at bay mm -hmm. even if uh, people have got petunias I know petunias I mean over this last week where if you've had petunias you'll probably find they look really really bad at the moment because they do often get a fungal disease in them and it just sweats them off yeah they do yeah. yes because they hate hate too much moisture. Right. They like it nice yeah. and dry and hot. So if that's the case, once again, try and clean up your petunias as best you possibly can uh, and then spray them with some mancozeb as well because that will actually keep that fungal disease under control. Certainly in some cases you can actually water the fungicide down into the ground, uh, particularly in the case of the petunias because they do get fungal diseases in their root system that just causes them to just die virtually overnight because of the mm. amount of moisture that there. Right. Okay, we do have uh, a couple of calls coming in on 49216216. On the line now, we've got Pam from Western. Hello, Pam. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, my question is, my granddaughter's bought a house uh, uh, in Curry, mm -hmm. and she's got some strawberry plants in half tubs. They're not doing anything. They've got a lot of greenery. When can you separate them? Well, look, there's two, there's two times that we can separate strawberries. We do that in spring and then we do it in late summer. And probably that season has passed now. So she's probably better to leave them as they are now and probably start watering them with a liquid fertiliser called potash because with potash... It's actually designed to help promote flowers. And, of course, yeah. in turn, it'll promote the fruit as well. So sorry. it is a... Sorry? If she leaves them in tubs, yes. is there any certain sort of... Um Pot mix to use? Well, look, certainly within it, whenever you plant anything in pots, you make sure you always use good premium mixtures. But right. certainly, Pam, if they're growing well, but they're just not flowering, you yeah. may just need to use this potash liquid fertiliser to try and help promote the flowers on those lovely strawberries. Okay, thank you, David. You're welcome, Pam. Bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Pam. Um, okay, David, we're still waiting for more calls to come through. 49216216. Um, can we pick up where we were leaving off there with uh, with the humidity yep, and certainly. the fungal problems okay. and all that nasty stuff that's happening? All right. Well, as we mentioned, of course, the lawns are growing like house on fire because they grow <laughs> so quickly. But just don't fall into the trap of leaving it too long because the longer you leave the lawn and before you cut it, the more you're going to fall into that trap of fungal diseases actually starting 
working in the lawn. Remembering as the lawn gets longer, it allows a very moist area underneath the actual existing grass and that harbours fungal disease. And if you're not careful, that can spread through the grass very, very quickly. So make sure, even though the grass is growing extremely fast, make sure you keep it mown at least every week because that keeps the grass under control and, of course, it stops this fungal disease from actually spreading underneath the main thatchiness. Now, that's another thing. People often let their grass grow and then they just take the very top part of the grass off and leaving this very, very spongy sort of effect. Now, this is, once again, it's a, it's a, good, re- a good recipe for fungal disease to actually go and spread underneath that really nice-looking green part that you've got on top. Right. So it's a good idea to try and keep the lawnmower down as low as possible to keep the lawn as short as possible or closer I should say to the main ground rather than letting it that that spongy effect right Mm -hmm. okay Um, uh, David Harry from Abermain wants to know if you know anyone who sells lawnmowers with floats on them um, his garden, his lawn is saturated. I think. <laughs> Good old Harry from Avermain. I don't think we can help him. Can no, we? no, no, I haven't uh, come across any of those yet, Harry. No, maybe one of those hover mower yeah, things, that's a good idea. Like, like like a hovercraft. Yes, but yeah, that might be the go, Harry. Give <laughs> give give that a try. Uh, back to the calls, David. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say hello to Viv from Greta. Hello, Viv. Hello, David. David I think you might have your radio on there, Viv. Could you just turn yeah, it off for me? Yeah, I'll turn it right down. Okay. Is that better? Yep, that's, that's beautiful. Fine. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, David, I've got um, potted cyclamens mm-hmm. on my back veranda, four of them, all looking very healthy and happy. Um, and then one started to look a little bit sick. Now, I had some osmocote there that I'd used with my um, roses, and I actually put a little bit of ro- osmocote around them. One of them has died completely. Did I kill it? Uh, well, possibly you may have, but it's, of course with cyclamen, they are supposed to die down to nothing or to the bulb during the summer months because they're a cold climate thing. But then sometimes if you're very, very lucky uh, and you keep them cool, they will actually go right through the summer months. And normally what I suggest is when with cyclamen, when they're finished inside during the winter months, put them outside in a really, really shady spot, even if it's underneath a bush or somewhere like that where it stays nice and cool. And sometimes if you're lucky, they will go through the summer months as well. Now, the one that has died, possibly it may be because it's got too hot. Uh, The fertiliser probably didn't help because um, sometimes that fertiliser releases and, of course, it burns the little bulb that the fertiliser's right near, so that can often be a little bit of a problem. Uh, But the Uh, one that's looking good, certainly put it out into an area where it's really, really shaded and to keep it cool, and as I said, you may actually get it to go right through the summer. Now, sometimes with cyclamen, you can actually, when they do start to die back, you just turn the pot on its side and that bulb just stays there for the rest of the summer. And then you upturn it to its upright position again in the autumn and you'll start watering it again and then it should start shooting away. Now, oh, Viv, okay. Even if it looks totally dead yeah, on the surface of the pot. that's right. So what I was going to say was that but that one that looks like it's died completely, if you just have a feel around the centre of the pot, you may find that you may, fi- you may feel a nice firm bulb there. If that's the case, that will still be okay. So all you can do is just turn that pot on its side so that it doesn't get wet during the summer months and yep. then you just upturn it again in the autumn and it probably will shoot away again. But only if the bulb's nice and firm. If it's a bit soft and horrible, you'll probably find it's just rotted away anyway. Right. 
And with the other ones that have still got a lot of lovely greenery, all mm-hmm. the flowers have gone, of course, but they've still got a lot of lovely greenery, um, they're fine just to leave on the back veranda. Well, look, if they're, if they're looking okay and they're taking to that position, I mean, certainly in mm. your area, it does get extremely hot during the summertime. So if it gets really, really hot, certainly then just try and find a very, very good cool position for them and you should be able to carry them through the rest of the summer back into the but, autumn months again. Don't water them too much. Well, the only time to water cyclamen normally is when you start to see the leaves bow down. That's usually a good indication that you need to give them just a bit of water. No worries. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome, Viv. Okay, bye. Bye bye now. Thank you, Viv. Give us a call if you've got any gardening questions. 49216216 is our number. Marilyn from Madawi is next on the line. Hello, Marilyn. Hi, David. Um, I have a passion fruit that's got heaps of flowers on it. It's the second year. I've fed it with potash, um, with flower and fruit, but the, um, the, the flowers are dropping off rather than setting the fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything I can do to fix that? Yes, sort out the weather. All right. I'd love to do that. (laughs) Because if you can remember back a couple of weeks, we had 38 degrees. Yeah. And then the following week, we were down to 18 degrees again. And, of course, with passion fruit, they require a certain temperature or a maintenance of temperature that's fairly constant both night and day. And when we get these fluctuating temperatures, it's all right for the people that have already got the passion fruit set because they're already there. But the flowering stage is very, very critical, whereas we need that just constant temperature to actually get them to produce the fruit. So that, that's probably why you're losing the, uh, the flowers uh, because of that you know, fluctuating temperatures. You're doing the, exactly the right thing by using the potash on them, which is very, very good because that will hopefully just promote some more flowers. And if we get conditions like we've got today and it's just a constant thing, well, yes, they will set fruit for you. Oh, good, good. And um, with uh, dahlias and... Um Gladioli. Mm-hmm. I'm not having um, very much luck um, up here in uh, Madawi growing them. I used to grow them down on the central coast at Avoca Beach. They used to be fantastic. Um, is that to do with the soil type? Well, it possibly would be because, I mean, mostly dahlias and gladiolis are not difficult to grow in any area, but perhaps it's just a bit um, more wise to work on the ground, just try and, for next season that is, just boost up the ground, you know, get some good compost and humus in there, cow manure or whatever the case may be, to try and boost it right up because they are fairly heavy feeders. Ah, yes, yes. Okay, I thought it might have been the sandy soil. Well, Madawi's not overly recommended for growing a lot of things. They have very poor soil and you've got to really, really work on the ground to make the ground something for, for the plants to grow in. Yes, yes. Well, it's very poor um, soil, unfortunately. It has. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, thank you, David. You're welcome. Bye for Bye. now. Thank you very much, Marilyn. Pity about your soil there. We're sorry about that. It is a bad area for soil, is unfortunately, Madawi. Yeah, yes. yeah. A lot of work mm. needs to be done on soil up in that area, yes. Mm, right. Yeah, I'm not sure whether I'd rather have sandy or clay soil. I've, I've sandy. Got, because got, at least with sand, you can, do you something can add compost to yeah. it. But with clay, it's a constant job of trying to break it down to get it more reasonable. And, of course, also with clay, you've got to keep adding things to mm. it all the time to try and boost the ground up. Uh, David, you've been reading my mail. <laughs> 
<laughs> we've got clay. You could you could make pots. You've with got it. clay. Yeah, but my goodness, you've got a beautiful garden, Phil. Well, yeah, we we keep working on the yes. on the clay to open it up. Yeah, well, Lucy does. I must say. <laughs> She's good at that sort of thing. Well, okay, we'll leave it there. And we'll say hello to Bob from Beresfield. Hello, Bob. Good afternoon, David. How are you? Good, thank you. David, uh, worm farms, do you yes. know anything about them? What did you want to know? Well, I have a little three-tier worm farm. Mm-hmm. All the worms died in the heat in January. Yes, yes. I saved a few, gradually built up. But all over the worm farm, there's little, like little uh, maggots, mm-hmm. but they've all got legs and a head on them. yes. Uh, I don't know what they are, but they're crawling everywhere. Okay, now you'll probably find these particular insects are actually just working through the composted um, area. They're, they're there for a duty. They're not there to actually cause any problems. They just continually work through the compost to break it down even further. I mean, I know even uh, us at work where we had the worms and in those really, really extreme conditions, they just want to escape to get away from the heat, unfortunately. Uh, So as you say, you've got to start all over again. I wouldn't worry too much about these other insects that are in the composted um, uh, compost uh, worm farm because, as I said, they're just working through that compost, just um, breaking it down even further. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yes. And the other thing was nematodes. Yes. Vegetable garden. Yes. How do you get rid of it? Well, look, this is a, a really good question because, I mean, unfortunately, there's nothing on the market that I know of at the moment to actually get rid of nematodes. The only solution I have is from you, the public, that have given to me, and that's by means of just adding just normal household sugar to the vegetable garden. You just throw that on. I know the recommended rate normally is about a handful per square metre, and, of course, that's not going to harm the vegetables in any way, but apparently it actually does get rid of the nematodes with perseverance. Not only that, of course, if you plant lots and lots of marigolds in the area, uh, that often gets rid of the nematodes as well. But certainly just by all means, sugar, if you just sprinkle that over, sometimes you'll find that will actually get rid of the nematodes for you. Oh, yes. Yeah, I did spread uh, mustard seeds. Oh, yeah, that's another one I think I've heard as well, yes. Oh, that's very good. All I can do now is go finish up here now and go and mow the lawn. Very good. <laughs> very good. Thank you, Bob. It's certainly growing. Yes, it certainly is. Well, thanks, thanks for so your much. call. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Bob. Yes, I think that's what everyone's doing today, Phil. I, I know my little part of the world was just alive with small motor noises yesterday <laughs> afternoon when I got home. It was uh, there were mowers and blowers and hedge trimmers yes. and and amazing, um, edge trimmers it? and all that kind. Because we of haven't stuff. been able to do it for no, a whole week. Right. It's amazing. And during that week, things have just grown, grown. so yes. much. Right. Um, Sixteen minutes to one. Let's say hello to John from Walls End. Hello, John. Oh, good day, David. Uh, David, uh, two queries I have actually for you. Uh, the other day I was visiting a friend at Stroud and we pulled up on their lawn and it was covered in what you would only probably describe as like a grey slime, mm-hmm. almost slug-like yes. sort mm-hmm. of consistency. And we were just got to talking about it and, and I suppose more out of intrigue than anything. Can you tell me what that was and how you would fix that? Yes, certainly. Look, at it, we get a lot of this, particularly um, in very, very wet conditions. Now, look, it can mean one of two things. First of all, it can be a bit like mushrooms. It's how mushrooms grow out of this particular sort of stuff. It's a type of lichen 
or fungi that's growing on the lawn. Uh, certainly you can get rid of that just by th- sometimes just by throwing some lime over the lawn, which will sweeten the ground because normally fungi only grows in fairly sour sort of conditions. Right. Um, secondly, you can spray it with some mancozeb and that will often get rid of it as well. And thirdly, the only other thing that I have seen that, that causes that slimy sort of effect is if people have been using a lot of um, moisture retainers like the water storing granules and things like that, sometimes it turns to very gooey sort of stuff because that means it's right at its um, point where it's holding so much water that when it dries out, it just goes back to a granule. So if, he's, if someone's been using that sort of thing, and I see this mostly in pots. I actually had it pointed out to me because I went and visited another garden last Friday. Uh, which was very, very nice. Um, They had it on the tops of the pots and he wondered what it was and it was actually the water storing crystal that had come to to holding so much water that it just causes this sort of gluggy sort of material on top of the pot. And obviously, Phil, by your reaction, you've had that as well. I've seen that. Yes. (laughs) It looks disgusting. It does. I know it does. And it just looks like goo, but that's exactly (laughs) what it is, just a moisture, moisture retainer. Okay, yes. Well, I'll, I'll investigate that. Very good. Uh, the second one that I had, uh, I have a, a lime bush. It's only a couple of years of age. Um, it's in a pot, um, and I hadn't had too much success with it prior, but this year it sort of, I, I fertilised it at the assumed the correct times. Um, did a great, gave, gave me a great flower show, and um, and a bit like your previous caller, didn't hold the fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I may have three limes on it if I'm lucky, like a very, very small, uh, you know, but I, all the flowers seem to, you know, I thought I was going to be in for this great uh, season of cropping and uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Um, is there anything I can do to fix that? Or? Well, look, certainly the only thing you should do in, in this case is to try and use some potash on it again, whether it be the liquid potash, which is going to hopefully promote another flush of flowers for you, or even just put the granulated potash around it. The granulated potash works a little bit slower because it takes time to actually get down to the root system. But by all means, the, um, the liquid potash, which is the soluble one, virtually works straight away. So it may react on it fairly quickly. But that's probably all I would be able to suggest to you is to just start with some uh, potash to try and promote another flush of growth, another flush of flowers for you. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. My pleasure, John. Bye-bye Thank now. you. Okay. Uh, back to the calls. Okay. Okay. Uh, Frank from Madawi is on the line. Hello, Frank. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Listen, I'm a gardener and I'm at work now and I'm having my lunch break. I do enjoy listening to your thank you. Monday afternoon episodes. They're quite um, interesting. And I just... Firstly, I live in Madawi and I think Madawi is mainly clay. We don't have sand, I think. Yes, it's, it, it's fairly heavy ground, as I've I've seen a few gardens in Madawi, and I have noticed that you really need to work on the um, soil quite a bit to actually make it um, grow something quite reasonable. Yeah, isn't clay good for yeah, look, look, elements and that? Yeah, well, and it certainly clay. is. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, there's nothing bad about clay because, as you say, it contains a lot of minerals, but you've still got to have something for the plants to bind onto. So that's why whenever you've got clay ground, it's always wise to add some sandy loam to the clay because that's going to, one, particularly break down the clay and the clay will eventually be blend into the sand. So it's not a bad thing to have clay, only that in really, really wet conditions like we are in at the moment, you'll find that your ground is extremely wet uh, because the clay holds the moisture, but then vice versa, 
when the clay dries out, it just sets like a rock. And if there are things that actually um, the root system's gone down into that clay area and we get into that really dry spell, it just crushes the root system. So then you have the problem of things dying as well. So as I said, clay is not a bad thing as long as you just need to have some sort of soil medium blended through it as well. I like to put grass clippings in. Excellent, yeah, because that's right, because it breaks down, it's giving you compost, and as long as you just add small amounts of your grass clippings each time instead of, you know, putting a real lot on, because remembering with grass clippings it generates heat, so really it's wise just to use small quantities of grass clippings each time. Okay. Now, my main question is, I have a problem at work with a beetle, and... Its common name is, I think, uh, an orange or bronze-shouldered beetle. Yes. Um, and I think the botanical name is Monoleptus australis. Right, okay. If, I don't know if you're familiar with the beetle, but it um, just turns up overnight from nowhere and it can eat a tree, like a, a, a fruit tree, mm-hmm. overnight. Um, and I have been treating it with a product called Carbile, and uh, they do seem to be effective but uh any shower of rain and it seems to wash away yeah. and mm-hmm. um they're back again okay. and they can attack all sorts of fruit trees from mangoes to avocado um, i've got some guava trees some plum trees and they're quite um devastating you know if you're not on top of them mm-hmm. is there anything that you know of that would be better than what I've been using? Well, look, certainly I don't know that product that you've been using because obviously you must buy that in large quantities, but certainly the things that are available commercially from just your garden centres is the uh, Conquer, which I mention quite often because it's designed basically for spraying onto beetled insects. Uh, so it's Conquer and Confidor. They're two exactly the same product, only right. from di- different manufacturers. Uh, but certainly I would be trying trialling one of those to see whether that will help your um, problem. But normally it is it is designed for all types of bleetled insects. Okay. And lastly, I have a couple of lychee trees that aren't doing too well. What, what am I doing wrong? They've got good water and... Yep, well, you're not doing anything wrong because, once again, lychees are tropical fruit trees, so therefore they require that those really warm conditions. I only sell uh, lychees during the summer months because it's the only time you ever see any foliage on them. But certainly it's just a matter of the the conditions just sorting themselves out so that we've got those constant temperatures, not once again this fluctuating temperatures as we're, we're having at the moment. So once we get right into the summertime, that's when you'll find they'll put on a flush of um, growth and they normally do fruit during the summer months as well. Yeah, I do. I get they do come into flower, oh, but they good. drop off. Oh, okay. you know? <laughs> yes. Well, of course, with a lot of those sorts of tropical things, it's wise when they come into flower to spray them with a fungicide because that's one of the things that will often get into the flower, cause them to go black and fall off. So it would be really wise once it comes into flower just to give it a spray with one of your fungicides uh, yep. to prevent that from happening. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, David. No, thanks for your call. No okay, no, bye. 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 Thank you, Frank. Four minutes to one. Local news coming along at one o'clock here on 2NURFM. David Lynn from Western is next on the line. Hello, Lynn. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Can I ask you a couple of questions, please? Certainly. Um, my Brazilian walking iris I asked you about a couple of weeks ago, it's got the shoots coming out of the long leaves. Yes. Do I just cut them off parallel to the 
leaves and plonk them in the dirt. Yeah, as long as you've got, it's like a little plantlet that's on the end of this long strap thing. Mm-hmm. As long as you've got that little plant, so you just snip it off the, um, the long strap and yep. then you just plant that into some potting mixture and that should give you another plant. Oh, terrific. Thank you. Also, I transplanted some water irises into the ground and they flowered beautifully this year, but now they look as though they've got great big seed pods on the end of them. Is that possible? Well, it's very possible for anything to form seed pods, but certainly what I would do with these is to just take the seed pod off because that seed pod is going to be taking all that energy from the from the water iris and you mm. really don't want that. You want to try and promote as much growth as possible. So just cut that seed pod off. So take it down because that's actually on the end of the flowering uh, part of the um, stem. So mm. take that down to the growth area and then once again all that energy will go back into your irises again. Okay, so we can't use that seed pod. Oh, look, certainly if you want to try and grow the seeds from the seed pod, you've got to let it mature because Mm. it will go right through until it's fully mature, until it goes brown, and that's when you collect it and just plant the seeds out to see what um, what colour. It certainly won't be the colour that you've taken it off because Mm. it would revert to something else entirely. Well, they change colour even when they move them from the water. Yes, yes. (laughs) It could be interesting. Thank you very, very much. My pleasure, Lynn. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lynn. Um, and next on the line, David, Sue from Lambton. Hello, Sue. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, a question about worm um, juice or yes. what you call it. Do you know where you can get that from? No, I don't because, I mean, you occasionally get, hear people of selling it and it's mostly the people that are on the side. You see it on the sides of the roads. Yeah, I know there was yeah. somewhere in Edgeworth on the side of the road somewhere that was selling it. I'd be Googling it just to see whether there's anyone locally that's selling yeah. the worm juice. Yes. I got some a few years ago on the side of a road at Warners Bay, mm. but... It was fantastic, and yes. I would, I'd love some more. Yes. But, uh, now we'll try Googling it and see whether it comes up with anything, but I don't know of anyone personally that's selling it. Yeah, okay. And the other thing is, have you ever considered hosting a, um, a tour of um, open gardens? Well, I mean, I've been asked by to do many, many things. That sounds a tremendous idea. But then with the open garden scheme, if that's what we're looking at, they open at so many different times throughout the season. They aren't all just in one particular area. And whether or not, you know, you'd want to do something around here. Yes. Because we're all local or when yes. you do the Blue Look, Mountain. Look, I'd, I'd be happy to do... I mean, look, I'd love to do something like that because there's nothing better than going out with a group of people that are interested in the same yeah. thing as you are, yes. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Yes, oh, well, if you, um, if you can get Phil to organise it, David, <laughs> uh, let's all know. <laughs> all right, that's, we'll, we'll put you to that, Sue. Okay. Okay. Phil to it. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, Sue. Phil could, Phil's flat out organising his way to work every secretary? Monday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll stay listening, Sue. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Bye bye now. Maybe have a word with the marketing department, yes. the promotion. And um, David, before we go back yes. to the calls, we have had a, a caller, Helen rang to say that a guy at the Broadmeadow Farmers Market sells worm okay. juice. Okay, all right, that's so great. Thank you Sue for that. So if Sue is still listening, yes, um, I'm sure she I'm will sure be. I'm sure she will be. Yeah, um, the Broadmeadow Farmers Market the fellow there selling worm juice. 
And, um, well, we'll get stuck straight okay. back into the calls. Fine. Um, I'll just give you the number again, 49216216. Might need to just jot it down on a bit of paper. We don't have any lines free at the moment, but uh, give us a call between now and half past one. Let's say hello now to Rosa from Brankston. Hello, Rosa. Hi, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, the cocoa palms are gone. Yes. But I need to know if I can show, uh, grow some camellias where the cocoa palms were, and I have magnolias that were in between the cocoa palms. So, Did that disturb it? Okay, so can you actually dig down into the soil there? I, I don't think well, people are hearing um, Rosa, and David. We're just um, have to see if I can do something okay. here. So do you want me to stop? Or? Yes, we might have to get Rosa to ring back. Um, we'll just see if, if we've got um, Kay from Wanji. Are you there? Yes, you have. No. Kay, we, we can hear you, but the listeners oh. can't. Um, just try it again. Kay, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, no, we've still got nothing. Yeah, not quite sure what's happening here. Um, maybe if, if we could um, just um, cover a few little problems that we've got in the garden, David, and okay. we'll try and work out what's happening with the phones all while right, you're then. talking about that. Okay, well, of course, with all those people that have got things in ready for Christmas time, just make sure you keep the liquid fertiliser up to them. Make sure you do that every couple of weeks. I know things are growing really, really quickly, but remembering they don't grow thick, they tend to want to draw with the really um, uh, unusual weather that we've got, so things will want to draw towards the light. So just make sure you just keep trimming those to try and make them as thick as you possibly can to keep them growing nice and thickly otherwise they'll just tend to want to draw towards the sky the same with the lawn just make sure that you keep the fertilizer up to the lawn once again it will be growing fairly long and lanky but you really need to fertilize it to try and thicken it up for you and as I said earlier just make sure that you keep the lawn mowing up because don't leave it go too long uh, at least uh, mow them sometimes twice a week at the moment to keep it nice and thick don't let it draw because that's when fungal disease will actually occur down underneath it and of course spread through the lawn very very fast so just keep an eye on that as well okay david we'll just give the phones one more try uh rosa are you still there yes i'm still here oh righty okay. we, we've got you now we'll, we, we just said we had you had palms that you had taken down and you've got other um, um camellias growing in between Magnolias. Magnolias, but you're wanting to plant palms. some camellias, yes. Yeah. So can, can I put a camellia where the coca palms were? Well, certainly if you can dig down into the ground, as long as there's good soil there for the actual camellias to grow into. If you find there's still a lot of um, sawdust and stuff there, it might pay you probably to add some soil or some good composted soil to the area so that the camellias have something to actually grow into. Oh, I see. But, I mean, certainly if you can dig down and there's good soil there, yeah, go ahead and plant them. Oh, brilliant. Also, I rang oh, nearly 12 months ago, but Oleander's not growing. Yes. And you told me to get some groundbreaker. Right. Well, I did that, but mm -hmm. it still made no difference. Right. So I threw some clay gypsum around it yep. and dug it around and watered it in. Yes. And they're still small. <laughs> Okay. Well, what you're going to have to do is get your garden fork and just spike around the area around the existing plant because that's allowing cracks and crevices for any fertilizers and things that you put around them to get closer to the root system. So just spike around with your garden fork, add a really good complete fertilizer and that'll go down into those holes and it'll actually come closer to the root system and hopefully respond much quicker than what you're actually getting at the moment. 
Okay, what sort of fertiliser? Just a good, complete, organic one, like a pelleted manure that you can throw around because that'll then fall down into those holes and hopefully work a little bit quicker than just throwing it around the top. Oh, wonderful. All right. Thank you so much, David. Thanks, Rosa. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Rosa. Uh, Next up, David, um, Kay has rung back. Uh, Kay is from 1G. I'm sorry, Kay, it was my fault completely. I had you on speakerphone. (laughs) There we go. That's all right. Good afternoon. Hello, Kay. Hello. Uh, First of all, I have to say I agree completely with Till. Growing anything to eat is just too difficult. (laughs) There are two of us against the rest of the world, Kay. Yes, well, my father. Shame on you. Dad used to say, if you cannot eat it, you dinner grow it. <laughs> anyway, I have a, f- a few questions, a yes. couple of rose questions. Mm-hmm. I have two miniature roses from the Town and Country Collection. One is the yellow sunburst border, one is the sweet covered pink. Bought at the same time, planted up in two separate pots with the same mix and in the same position. And for two years, the pink one has flowered magnificently and there's never been one flower on the yellow one. Mm-hmm. So what can I do? Well, certainly it probably would be wise to just repot the yellow one mm-hmm. into some new mixture. Certainly you could do that now, Kay, because being in a pot, you're not going to disturb it greatly. Okay. And you'll be putting nice fresh soil around it. So that may make a difference for it anyway. Okay. Good. I also have a ballerina, a thornless ballerina rambling train, mm-hmm. trained along the picket fence. Flowered beautifully. When do I prune the new shoots which are starting to stick up everywhere? Do I wait till uh, after the end of summer? Well, normally I would prune them the same time as you prune all your other roses because you're pruning them back and then you will encourage good growth in the spring and summer months. Certainly this time of the year, you can lightly prune it back and that way it'll just bush out again even further for you. Right. Oh, two other questions, quick ones. Mm -hmm. I have a dwarf variegated yucca in a pot, Mm -hmm. which flowered for the first time this year after about four years. Mm -hmm. But it's now flattened out like a pancake. Do they flower again or is that a once-only thing? Well, normally it's once-only thing. Once that flower finishes, you must cut that flower off so you actually start to get regrowth again because with the flower, it comes right out of the centre of the yucca, which disturbs the growing tip of the yucca. So therefore, it's got to form a new growth and that always comes from the side. So I would just cut the flower off so that all the energy goes back into the growth again. Okay, and maybe I should repot it perhaps? Certainly, if you feel it needs repotting but remembering with yuccas they do best if they are fairly restricted and secondly they do best if they're fairly well neglected okay well it certainly is that i'll tell you (laughs) um a a few months ago i asked you about brazilian cherry yes and i have lost my note with the botanical name yes a a gentleman rang in and and told us about it but i haven't got the botanical name well once again i would have to look back at my notes to find that botanical name for you Okay. One last question. What time do you open through the week? Uh, Well, always the business hours at work are 8.30 to 5, and that's seven days a week. I have a mystery tree, and I thought if my daughter could drop a leaf in. sure, sure. It's come up by itself, and it's very pretty, but I have no idea what it is. Well, if you can try and get that in to me before next Monday, because remembering, as I said, I'm going on leave from next Monday. Right, you are. All right. Well, that's all. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Kay. You too. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Kay. Um, next on the line, uh, Faye from Hamilton South. Hello, Faye. Hello. Good. How are you? Good, thank you. I want to ask you about my lemon tree once again. Yes. Um, of, um... You're breaking up there, Faye. Are you on a, a mobile at the moment? No, I'm on a hands-free, though. Okay. Right. Maybe if you could move a little closer to the, <laughs> the phone or something. To... 
Yeah, yeah just, can you hear me now? That's yep, you're, you're great now, yep. Yeah, all right, I'll stand near the door and see if we do better that way. Um, my lemon tree had a crop come on it, mm-hmm. and I lost nearly all of those except about seven. I don't think there were a lot of bees around. Right. Um, so I've got seven, and then it flowered again, and there's masses of flowers on mm-hmm. it, and I've seen, I think, one or two bees at the most around it. But what's happened to it now is it's got all little spots on the leaves, and then the leaves are going yellow with these little green spots on them. Okay. And I wonder what that was. So the spots, they're actually into the leaf? They're not something that's moving on the leaf? No. no. Okay, well, if it's something that's moving within the leaf, it could be a little mite that's actually in the leaf, and you may probably find that you'll just have to get some uh, pest oil from the nursery yes. because that is a very, very good spray for any, most things that are on citrus trees. Without me actually seeing it, I'm only stabbing in the dark, of course, but certainly if you can bring a sample into the nursery, that's even a better thing because we can have a look at the leaf. Have a look at I know exactly what it would be. It looks to me when you turn the leaf over on the back, it looks as though it's been pierced by something. Okay, all right. Well, as I said, if you've can, if you got some pestle, that probably uh-huh. is the safest one to use on your citrus trees. Good. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye, Faye. Thank you very much, Faye. Next up, uh, let me see, Beverly from Mayfield. Hello, Beverly. Oh, hi, David. Um, um, look, two questions. One's about my gardenia, yes. which is it's been in the ground for about 20 years. About a metre tall, I don't know what brand it is. But it's flowering at the moment, usually flowers every, this time every year. But it's quite spindly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have many leaves on it and it looks, it looks a bit um, twiggy. What should I put on it? Or? Okay, well, what you can do after it finishes blooming, because with our gardenias, they flower twice yearly. They yeah. flower in early spring and then once again in yeah. summer. And usually after the summer flush, you can just give it a very, very light trim back because that'll force a little bit of growth out ready before we get into the winter months. But certainly then when it flowers in the springtime, you can give it a very, very good hard prune to the fact where you prune it down so that there's no foliage left on the plant at all except some sticks. And, of course, it will just reshoot out of those sticks and fill out very, very nicely. I shouldn't try to put anything on it at the moment. No, look, certainly um, after it's finished blooming, if you wanted to give it a light prune, just put some uh, pelleted manure around it because that'll promote some growth. Lightly prune it, as I said, and you will get some more growth. But the major pruning of gardenia should always be done after their spring flowering flush. After the spring. Mm. Mm. Uh, Also, David, I have a, uh, I think it's known as a tree daisy. Yes. It's a daisy, it's about metre tall, I suppose. Yellow flowers. How far should I cut that back? Well, look, certainly with any of those daisies, you can cut them a good halfway back when they're finished, they're flush, and they should reshoot out and come up and reflower again. Yeah, there are a couple of couple of flowers on it now. I started to do it this morning. And I thought, oh, I'd better stop just to yes. check. Yes, well, certainly a good halfway back. Once yeah. again, after you've pruned anything back in the garden, just make sure you feed it to try and push yeah. that energy yeah. back and into that, the plant. And that applies to the other different daisies as well. Oh, like yes, some little yes. double white ones and so forth. Mm-hmm. The, well, they just, at the moment. Yes. they just generally get a haircut, which means yeah. that you just um, get the head shears out and just give them a light mm-hmm. shear back and they should mm-hmm. come up and reflower again for you. Okay, thank you, David. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Beverly. Um, to Cessnock next, and Cheryl's on the line. Hello, Cheryl. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, look, I've got a question for you. I'm not quite sure whether you can help me or not. Um, I've had to resort to actually making my own fertiliser. 
Um, and I'm making green waste um, fertiliser. Yes. And I looked it up on the internet, but uh, there were three different people who have said three different um, mixtures, um, as in dilution um, factors. And like one was 10 to 1, one was 50-50, and one was one cup to three cups. So mm-hmm. I don't know... Um, which one to use? Okay. Well, I was hoping that you were going to tell me because I haven't heard of a fertiliser that's been used by green waste before. So that was that's why my ears pricked up as well because I thought, oh, here's someone's going to tell me something. So, um, so as I, I said, I... I so, but, um, I know you have to dilute it down because it's like... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but I, I just wanted to make sure that I'm going to use a safe one. I suppose if I start at 10 to 1, that might be the safe I was just going to say, look, that sounds very safe to me because the same applies with worm juice. It's always 10 to 1 because it's so heavily concentrated. It's wise yeah. to, to start off with that bigger ratio so that you're not going to cause any burning. And then, of course, once you've used it the once and you find that it's doing well and you haven't burnt anything, well, perhaps you can go to something a little bit stronger. But certainly, yeah, I would start off with the 10 to 1 just on the safe side yeah all right well i'll try that um oh, that's very uh, interesting I, yeah well so i said I, I did do it once before um it's a little bit more stinky than normal fertilizer. <laughs> um i mean once you get it going it's all right yes yes no well so, there we go that's um, something that i've learned today from you Oh, well, there you go. And, um, <laughs> and I've also um, started keeping my eggshells to crush up um, for the extra calcium and, that, and potassium to put back in the soil. Yep, very good, very good. So that's going back in with the um, fertiliser. Yes. So hopefully I won't have to spend, well, I can't spend any money on fertiliser anyway, so hopefully <laughs> that'll save me a lot of money. Sounds great. Yeah, so anyway, I'm... Um, um, anybody else that's listening might want to try it too. So yes. Hard to do. So you just go on the internet and look up, look up green fertiliser or green waste fertiliser and uh, yeah, we just no, take it from um, there. I, I went on there yesterday and I just um, looked up um, fertiliser for organic fertiliser and things like that. Okay. And, uh, organic fertiliser. Yes. All right. A we'll lot s- of things popped up as... as um, as doing their um, green waste and yes. yeah, grass right. clippings and any any weeds that you've got. Okay, well, it sounds great because I might even try and do that this afternoon and see what comes up as well. <laughs> well, the, well, the thing is, I mean, you, you throw all your weeds and things away and you just throw right. away, um, you know, good fertiliser, yes. good compost, good everything, yes. really. All right, Cheryl, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, bye for now. Okay, bye. Thank you, Cheryl. I can see you've, you've planted ideas in David's, mm. uh, David's head there. Um, next up, it's Sue from Ilibana. Hello, Sue. Oh, hello, David. Um, yes, um, uh, look, the lady that rang about the worm juice. Yes. Um, and also, actually, your last caller that was talking about the, um, the green fertiliser. Yes. Um, I just wondered if there was any chance that I could leave my phone number um, uh, there for those ladies if they wanted to get in, in touch with me. So you're the one with the worm juice? Well, I can't. Yes, I can get it. I, okay. I actually belong to um, a local exchange trading system, okay. which is Hunt, in the Hunter Valley. Um, it's a marvellous thing that, mm-hmm. that we do. We um, we get together about every three months for a picnic and we have um, gardening um, groups and 
uh, we have trade days and oh, we really? trade all sorts of things, including things like worm juice, yes. um, uh, fertiliser. Um, um, and do you send out a newsletter or anything, Sue, about uh, these days? Pardon? Do you send out any information, newsletters and things about these particular uh, days? Yes, to our members we do. Yes. Um, and there's no money exchanges hands. Right. It's, all, it's all to do with points. It's oh, okay. It's system. So it's um, very uh, social as well. Mm. Um, I'd like to find out more about that myself. So Would you like uh, to what, find out? What we will do, we will just to put you on hold and we'll put you back to Diane. And if you could just put or give Diane all your details... Uh, we can then just keep it here. And then, as I said, I'll take it uh, myself and get in touch with you as well. All right. Lovely. Okay. That'd be great. Yes, All thanks, right. David. You just right. hold the line. Enjoy your um, Christmas. Yes, thank you. You as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, Sue, so just hold the line there for me. And uh, we'll pop you on hold. And um, we'll go to Alan from Dudley for our last call for today, David. Hello, Alan. Hello, David. About those Brazilian cherries. Yes, I've been on the internet about them, Very and they good. class them in America and other parts of the world as a noxious weed. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> They're the easiest things to grow in the world. Right, okay. Then. So you nice. have a botanical name there for me? No, I couldn't tell you what oh, it is. Okay. okay. My daughter-in-law has them, and I just got a half a dozen off her last year, plonked them in a pot, and they all struck. Oh, okay. Every single one of them. Okay, that's excellent. But, uh, no, they're classed as a noxious weed. I don't know whether that be in Australia or That's not. right. It's a different different countries would have different rules, so yes. I don't, so I don't think that... It's very nice to eat, but... Yes. All right. Well, that's great, Alan. Okay, mate. Thank you very much. Catch you later. Okay. Bye-bye now. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. As usual, very knowledgeable listeners yes, here on Gardening yes. Talk back on 2NURFM. Well, uh, 29 minutes past one, David, you've got uh, one minute there to choose somebody from amongst that list of callers to be the winner of this wonderful pile of things you're giving away here. And um, while you're working on that, just run through the the gift again for us. Okay, certainly. Well, of course, at this time of the year, we're all looking at our beautiful red poinsettias that we're probably seeing in various uh, garden centres around Newcastle. So now's the time to actually get out and purchase it. And that's exactly what I'm doing today, giving away a lovely red poinsettia to one of our listeners. As well as that, a bag of the fruit and flower fertiliser, which is the complete fertiliser, and as well as the Uh, tomato soluble plant food which we can put around our tomatoes once every couple of weeks as well as some sachets in that bag as well and I'm going to give it to Marilyn of Madawi today. Marilyn rang up about her passion fruit that um, sort of isn't and isn't setting fruit so Marilyn all you really need to do is make your way down to Wallsend Community Nursery that's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road Wallsend just one condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. So that means, David, we can look forward to seeing you again next Monday. I will be here next Monday, Phil, so I'll see you then and good gardening, everyone.